0: I only have one scripture tonight uh, to put on the viewer here to look at. And that is from Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7a, the first part of the verse. And it says, for as he he thinks within himself, so is he. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now at Grace and Peace, we use this scripture, I think, a lot for many different illustrations. So here goes another one tonight. Uh, Much can be said on this scripture and about this scripture. But um, what we need to learn here from it, which I think you already know, we will only act out based on what we have stored up in our hearts. Good or bad, correct or incorrect, what have we put in us is going to come out. Um, And did you ever realize in crisis, the real you comes out? If you want to know really what's inside of you, wait till a crisis comes. (laughs) Because we will also act upon what we have in us as a spiritual foundation. So we're going to find out real quickly what we do or do not have of God in our hearts, that's really in our heads, and it will be quickly become apparent to us. So crisis reveals us to ourselves. And sometimes it can be always disappointing and room for growth. Uh, so what have we built up in us? Uh, as this scripture shows us here, all of us have as believers has built up in themselves what's called a personal theology structure. You have a personal theology structure. Now theology simply means study of God. Um, But we all have views and beliefs on so many topics. Who is God? Who is Jesus? Who is Holy Spirit? Uh, How does God view me? How do I relate to God? Um, What is heaven? What is hell? What is sin? Uh, How do I repent and get right with God? We all have views on this uh, and beliefs. And there's many, many other theological issues that go into the hundreds that we could all mention tonight, but I won't bore you. So some of the views we have and beliefs we have are biblically correct. And certainly we have those that are not biblically correct. That's a challenging thought, because I'm fine, what's your problem? No, 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 no. We all are in that same situation. What do I have in me that I shouldn't have in me that I've built as a structure that I believe? So there's a difference between then a personal theology we have and true biblical theology, as the Word of God says. So a biblical theology should always be well researched, well objectively examined, and that would have in common with believers. Uh, outside of us, perhaps of all centuries. What do we all have in common? We're doing a creed series now. That's certainly an example of that. So in biblical theology, uh, there are logical conclusions we come to. Uh, we do not want to have scripture distort it as we have conclusions. Uh, there's a systematic structure of belief. Uh, we hope it's not distorted by men's opinions. So in our Bible school we endeavor to do this. So I have an odd title for uh, today's message, and it's very simply, Oh God, help my theology. That's my title. Because our, really our personal theologies are the issue. We tend too often to have personal theologies that are not so biblically based. So these personal theologies um, tend to be not so well researched and definitely influenced by uh, uh, biased opinions of others. Uh, Too often, um, we are very subjective to us personally, uh, rather than having truth just stand for itself. Uh, Too often, what we believe is based on our opinions, not on what the Bible tells us. Uh, We think sometimes um, others have holes in their personal theology, but we're just fine. Uh, in fact, it's a tr- true funny story. I don't know, you, don't know if you remember the name of Dwight Moody, who has hands up. A few people know who he is. Dwight Moody was an evangelist in the latter 1800s. Uh, one of the first of the modern evangelists, I guess you would say. Billy Sunday followed him. That was your truly first modern evangelist. But Dwight Moody was a special guy. Uh, he preached a message called the new birth. Had never been preached before like that. He preached it 164 times in his life and all over the world. And uh, there's been many books, of course, sermons done on the new birth from from John chapter 3. You must be born again, the new birth. But anyway, uh, Moody was an uneducated man, which is very interesting because now there's a Bible college and and university named after him. Uh, And he was a horrible speller. If you ever looked at his sermon notes, and they have them, they're horrible. You can't make heads or tails out of them. Spelling is awful. Uh, But he had the anointing of God in his life without a doubt. So, anyway, one day he gets done speaking and he walks down from the pulpit, and this guy runs up to him and goes, I don't like your theology. And Moody put his head back and started laughing. I didn't know I had one. And he meant it. And the guy thought he was so uneducated and walked away from him. Well, that guy thought he was fine in himself, but the the truth was, I think you better listen to this guy because he's anointed, you're not. Anyway, but so yeah, he, he didn't even know he had one, he said, uh, which is odd because he's a, their school is a, leaning, a leading theological teaching school. But uh, Dwight Moody had a very good point. I didn't know how a theology. So all of us uh, have formed doctrine, whether we know it or not. Yes, even Dwight Moody. All of us have formed doctrine inside of us. And doctrine simply means take a collection of scriptures on a topic, Put them in a systematic order and format and develop principles by which you can live by. So, for example, if marriage is the topic, I go to the Word of God. I I let the Word of God talk to me about marriage. I place those scriptures in a theological order, and I have now principles to live my marriage by. I don't want to live my marriage by my opinions, by my selfishness. I want to live it by God's Word in, in, in my life. Very simple that I have a personal theology about marriage that I try to live out with God's help. So doctrines are then building blocks for our own personal theologies, okay? A problem happens, which is very common with believers, when we don't have scripture to base what we believe. Very often they're in no logical order and we can distort scripture and we can have others' opinions that, that, that are given to us, and we treat them as equal with Scripture. That's a problem. Now our doctrine can become a mess, which we call invalid doctrine. So when we arrive at invalid doctrine, we're really missing the whole harmony of Scriptures that we need to take into account. And thus we can develop a very poor personal theology structure. Uh, let me give you some examples so this makes sense. Uh, let me give you four examples of incorrect doctrine that people form. Uh, I have seen this over the years. Number one, people commit sexual immorality and they think, well, First John 1, 9, verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 tells me if I repent, then I'm just fine. God will forgive me and I move on. That is their personal theology doctrine. And that is off. That's using the Bible as an excuse for sin. Second example, people will see sin in others and hold them accountable for it, but they excuse their own sin and they expect you to understand. So in this example, they expect others to forgive them, but they won't forgive others. That is a really invalid personal theology and more common than you think. A third point here, uh, people hold pet beliefs that they can't find in Scripture to support, yet they're convinced they're right. Right? I remember one time, uh, the church had just hired me, let's see, they hired me in August of 87. I think it was the next year. I went to Washington, D.C. with my wife, and we went to uh, this prayer intercession for our nation. This group was holding this prayer intercession, and we represented our congressional district. There were no other churches from our congressional district there, so we literally represented our congressional district, and they have... uh, representatives from congressional districts districts from all over the country so anyway they had this general meeting first and they were talking about uh that weekend we're going to be devoted to prayer praying for our nation i was highly impressed with these people i had never met people like that before i was like whoa these people are for real i don't know nothing i mean they were very very devoted people in knowing how to pray and how to pray for their country. Anyway, they have this general session and the guy's speaking to them. It might have been Gary Bergle, I don't remember. Very fine brother in Christ. And he was asking if anybody had any uh, uh, large crowd of people had any uh, thoughts that you want to share with the crowd before we go to prayer that weekend. So this guy gets up, opens up his Bible. Yes, I do have something. He goes to Matthew chapter 24 and he mentions the scripture and he goes, now The Lord gave me a revelation. He's referring to the rapture, okay? And he said, well, that when the Lord comes to take his church, I kid you not, the Lord comes to take his church, he's going to bring a fleet of 747 jets and take us off the planet. Would anybody like to comment on that? And you can just see Burgle. Did I have to ask? Did anybody have something to share? He looks around. No, I don't think anybody wants to comment. Well, what, what does this guy just do? He had this pet belief, which was way off in goofy land, that he held this truth. I mean, he really believed this. God was going to send a fleet of seven. God doesn't need 747 jets. But God was gonna, and that's too expensive anyway to fly. God's going to send a fleet of 747 jets and take the body of Christ off the planet into heaven. Oh, boy. And, you know, before we laugh at these people, they're still around to this day with their own little pet beliefs that are just as goofy. Um, another example here, number four, is people who develop their own road to heaven and they convince they're right. That's a very dangerous personal theology. I don't know if you know who Andrew Carnegie was. Uh, he was, a, um, uh, was called Carnegie Steel in the late 1800s. Very wealthy man. Uh, towards the end of his life, he sold Carnegie Steel to J.P. Morgan for $400 million. That was the biggest corporate sale ever done in, uh, in world history, because obviously how much that was worth back then was a lot more. And um, J.P. Morgan then started U.S. Steel, which is here today. Right? U.S. Steel still here, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, so um, Carnegie got this $400 million, largest corporate settlement ever. And they asked him, what are you going to do with his money? He goes going to give it away? They went, huh? So what Carnegie would do was he would give away libraries. So if you didn't have a library in your school, he'd buy you one. Now he took an entire library of books here. This is like expensive. So his his goal was to give away the whole $400 million. Anyway, they asked him, why are you doing this? You know what he said? He was real serious. Well, now now you got to remember the money he earned in Carnegie's deal in his early years, was on the backs of other people that he crushed. So obviously there was this immense immense sense of guilt of the way he treated people all his life. Anyway, so Carnegie goes, well, you know how it is at the end of your life, if your good works outweigh your bad works, you just make it into heaven. He believed that. That is the furthest from what the Bible teaches. And come on, have you heard people talk like that? That started with Carnegie. That's where that came from. And it's still in our society to this very day, that thinking. Couldn't be more wrong. And uh, so, you know, faulty beliefs from totally incorrect, unbiblical positions. So much of invalid doctrine originates in what we would call faulty deductive reasoning. So let me explain what that is. Deductive reasoning is a form of logic. Logic has deductive and inductive reasoning. And basically, it's very simple. Deductive reasoning is I I make a premise statement. I usually have another premise statement, could have more, and then I draw a conclusion based on my premise statements. That's deductive logic. So let me use an example here. Um, Premise, all mammals have hair. Second premise, cats have hair. Conclusion, cats are mammals. Okay, that's what we would call valid deductive reasoning. Now, how about this one? Premise number one, cats have whiskers. Ralph has whiskers. Conclusion, Ralph is a cat. (laughs) That is what we call invalid deductive reasoning. Why? Because the invalid uh, reasoning is because we're missing pieces in the reasoning that would draw us to a very different conclusion. No, I am not a cat. So that's another important point. So Christians do the exact Same thing in developing their theology. So let's now look at some examples here with Christians. Example number one, premise God wants me to have the desires of my heart. It says in Psalm 37, verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Premise number two, I want so and so to be my husband. Conclusion, I claim so-and-so to be my husband because God wants me to have the desires of my heart. I've seen people do this. Actually, that's called charismatic witchcraft because you can't influence your uh, will over someone else. But here, this person is totally blind to their selfish sin. It blinds them to truth. Now, you're missing some big components here. Yet, people do this all the time. Another example. The Lord will never leave me nor forsake me. Premise number one. Second premise, a real fact comes in life that's a crisis and it doesn't end well. Conclusion, God lied to me. He abandoned me when I needed him. There's no God. Wow. And do you know that really was a lot of the thinking of uh, Jewish folks in the Holocaust? So many of them that survived left as as Gnostics and atheists. It was a really big issue. Um, Wow. So when it comes to how we think of God and how we relate to God, we better not have a fragmented theology. And yet it's so common because how we think of him in our hearts, the scripture we looked at previous, is how we're going to relate to him. That's extremely serious. Um, it's been said by counselors that addicts have a great deal of difficulty in relating to Father God because of how they were raised, the, the trauma they've had in life when they were growing up. Father God is a very difficult concept for them to relate to. And most addicts have a very faulty theology of who God is and how to relate to him. So really good counseling uh, tries to help people get through that difficulty in life. Um, So, but the key here also for us is that God doesn't bless ignorance. We're expected to search out the Scripture for ourselves. And when our personal theology is invalid or out of harmony with the whole counsel of Scripture, we're on very shaky ground. And often we're setting ourselves up for a failure. And we end up blaming God for it. So many believers today, when it comes to their personal theology, uh, they live in a spiritual earthquake zone their theology could collapse at the very next crisis. And believe me, we meet them all the time. So tonight, I want to look at some very common personal theology issues that are toxic to our souls. Uh, These are questions often or statements that people commonly ask or say, but they come from having a faulty personal theology. I'm just going to have a few here. Let's look at the first one. I'm angry at God. Wow. I'm angry at God. This is one of the most common complaints that you'll hear and one of the most serious. Keep in mind, if they're angry at God, they're also going to be angry at His church too. Right? Can't see God, but they can see His church. So who are you going to focus your anger on now? The Lord's church. We see it all the time. People get angry at God because their own personal theology of who God is, is actually wrong. He didn't do what they thought he would do, or what they wanted him to do, or the way something happened, or he should have prevented this from happening to me. And they're angry. Actually, uh, I've said it before, worth repeating again here, God is not moved by need. If God was moved by need, there would be no needs. Obviously, there's a lot of needs out there. He's moved only by faith. When we take his word and bring it back to him and say, I believe what you say greater than what I'm experiencing. And what I'm experiencing I believe, is subject to change and it must change because it doesn't agree with you and your will must take place first in my life. When we start to react in faith, we get his attention, but we see very few people really do act in faith. Actually, all they do is complain and moan about the problems they have. If you listen to a lot of people's prayer lives, it's a lot of moaning and complaining and crying. Oh God, don't you see how I'm suffering? And they think that's supposed to move God. If I cry a little louder, go hoarse, uh, you know, cry with a lot of tears, uh, make my face turn red, whatever, God will respond. He's not moved by pain. Now, if you're real... Clever with the word of God, you go, Ah, book of Exodus. It says there in the beginning that he was moved by the sufferings of the children of Israel under the bondage of the Egyptians. Yes, because he was faithful to the Abrahamic covenant. That's why. That's a unique uh, piece of history that would one day give birth to the Messiah. But he's not moved by needs for the sake of needs, or there'd be no needs. And people believe he is moved. By needs and needs alone, then there would be no needs. My gosh, you look at the amount of suffering out there—it's outrageous, outrageous. God is moved only by faith. So, uh, when you look at anger here, interesting uh, trivia question: Who is the first person in the in the Bible who's angry with God? Answer: Cain. Cain is angry with God. Why? Because he couldn't manipulate God to like his works. And find favor with him. Interesting also, Cain is the first depressed man in the Bible. How about that? Believe it or not, of all people, it was Sigmund Freud who discovered that a lot of depressed people are very angry people. How about that? Anger turns outward is violence. Anger turned inward is depression. Now, I'm not implying here every single person depressed is angry. I'm not saying that. Uh, but In general, a lot of people who deal with depression are very angry people that they don't get their way and they turn it on themselves. And we see here in the Bible, the very first evidences of that. The first angry man is Cain. The first depressed man is Cain. And anger turned outward as well. He kills his brother. So anger towards God is always wrong because it accuses God of evil. It puts us in a place of superiority where we look down on God and judge him for doing wrong. Anytime we're in judgment and anger. And that is certainly not the way it is. So the people who live with I'm angry at God, these are very, we have to judge ourselves rightly here. These are very totally self-centered theologies where God exists to please them and to make their lives more comfortable. It is a God that exists to do their will. That is error. And until that's changed, you'll never change. The very thinking is faulty. We're talking here about faulty thinking that leads to faulty theology. You with me so far? Okay, let's look at a second one here. Why did God do this to me? Come on, we've all heard that. Don't tell me, don't raise your hands if you said it. Why did God do this to me? This is like the anger one because it accuses God of bringing evil and calamity into our lives. Something bad happened and the error is, oh, God did this to them. You now both of these questions and complaints come from poor biblical foundation of who the God of the Bible really is. There is no understanding of how we interact with God. We can't uh, get there where everything in life, well, he did to me. And they'll use examples in the book of Job. Job has no understanding of a personal God. All he knows is the almightiness of God. He doesn't know. And he's being taken advantage of because he doesn't know. Uh, What we can do is we can bring our hearts to him. And in the perspective, I don't understand, please help me see what I'm not seeing correctly. That's good. We can have a position of humility and submission. Help me, Lord, in what I'm not seeing correctly. I certainly have been there more than once. Um, But I have to reject my own judgments about God because my understanding is always limited. Uh, We don't have the scripture to put on, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in verses 9 and 12, Paul says, for we know in part, for we see now in a mirror dimly. In other words, as long as we are here this side of heaven, we're not going to be all knowing. We're not going to have all knowing knowledge. Thus, we walk by faith. I hold on to you, Lord, even though I don't understand it. Uh, I, I'm not going to turn to the scripture. But there's one in the Old Testament, and one of the minor prophets, I think it's Hosea, or I think it's Hosea. I remember. Or Zephaniah, or maybe Zephaniah. Um, though there would be no uh, cattle in the barn, that there be no crop in the field, still I will praise you. In other words, if nothing goes right in life, I will still praise you and worship you. That is truly a heart of faith where we should all be living at. Because It's real good to praise God when everything's going well, and boy, don't them prayers get answered. You're real good to praise the Lord then, real easy. But it's not so easy when things are under great attack. And that's when we have to praise Him the loudest. Um, and, you know, similar here to number uh, two, uh, uh, one and a half here, number three. No, number two. No, I'm getting ahead of myself. Getting way ahead of myself. ignore that. Um, so we always need to remember that as a foundation for our personal theology, God is not our problem. He is my only answer. And I like the radio example. Those of you who are still old enough and play the radio, yeah, thank you. You turn the radio on, and if you don't get your station on, what's the first thing you say? That radio station, they've stopped sending their signal today. No, we don't think that. We don't say what's wrong with the sender. We say, what's wrong with my radio? What's wrong with my receiver? And we have to start adjusting the dial till we get the station in correctly. Those of you who are really old enough to remember radios. um, He's always sending the signal. The problem is here with the receiver. I'm not tuning in enough. I need to be tuning in a lot better if I want to get the signal, because he's always sending his signal. My problem, the problem is here with the receiver. Maybe I've got to get a few tubes and transistors changed. I don't know, but the problem is here those of you who know what tubes are and if you don't i'm not going to explain it i don't care anyway yeah the radio example it's not the problem with the sender it's the problem with the receiver if you always have that position that's a position of humility and god's pleased with a position of humility all right my third example here that i got ahead of myself um people will say why did this happen to me hear that one i hear it all the time why did this happen to me why did this have to happen to me now, this is very similar to the second one. It is disappointment with God. Some, I, man, I hear this all the time. I tithe. I go to church. I pray. I read my Bible. Why did God let this happen to me? What's the problem there? That's a faulty theology. Why? This is clearly a works mentality. That's the faulty theology here. I've paid my dues, God owes me. I know you anything. I did my part of the bargain. Why can't he live up to his part of the bargain? It doesn't work like that. They have no concept of spiritual warfare of the day we're living in. And, and, you know, for a lot of these people, it's lies they have believed from preachers uh, who teach, come to Christ and you'll never have a problem again. That's not the world I live in, nor neither you. So we could go on and on here with more uh, complaints against God, people who blame him, but it's all due to their own shoddy personal theology. So we really need to take a look at why we believe what we believe. Because we don't want to be found with a faulty theology. And none of us are immune to that. None of us are. So how do people get to a a, a faulty theology, a faulty personal theology? Well, like I said before already, uh, a lot of this, it kind of summarizes two points here um, to look at. Uh, One point is um, many people have personally built up a very poor uh, personal biblical foundation for their theologies. Most Christians do not read their Bibles. Most Christians do not meditatively read their Bibles as applies to their lives, and most people don't know how to properly read their Bibles. So we need a foundation built on the Word of God, nothing else. And, our, and, and basically also sound biblical teaching as Holy Spirit will, would lead us. So too many people build a personal theology on a radio or internet sermon they heard here and there, a book they've read here and there, Uh, Faulty and goofy teachings abound today. Just when you think, oh, the goofy stuff is done. Uh, It comes back in a different form, in a different shape. It comes back. There was a lot of goofy stuff in the 70s. It started to come to an end. Uh, Oh, here comes more. And more comes back. And you you start to realize it's been this way for centuries. I mean, uh, goofy stuff abounds. And sometimes it's people who mean well, but it's goofy. I mean, the Anabaptists, we're talking, what, 1300s? They believed what the Scripture said, come to me as little children. They actually started acting like little children. I kid you not. They would sit in the ground and play with toys. They would babble to each other because they were trying to be little children coming to the Lord. No, that's just plain goofy babbling to each other like a child. It's goofy. So they had goofy in the 1300s, and they're still goofy today in different ways. Uh, So too often people... Uh, too often, I, I have seen over the years people build personal theologies just on different preachers' opinions or the opinions others give around them. I mean, you know, you hear some people say things and you go, Where'd you get that from? Oh, well, Sister Saloncel taught me, or I go to their prayer meeting and that's what they say. They're wrong. But they believe, hey, it's been said Christianity is monkey see, monkey do, monkey follow after you. That can be good or bad right? If you've never been to a church like ours before, where they've raised their hands in the air, you walk in, you look around. Well, they're raising their hands. I guess I will too. What are you doing? You're learning from others how they behave. Okay. But others, I remember this one lady right here, way back there, came in one morning, uh, one evening, and was it morning service? You know, it was a Wednesday night service. And worship was going. She was approving, She starts blowing a whistle. Now, very distracting to the people on stage. What's even in key? Very distracting to the people on stage. was it in timing. So we said, don't do that. Oh, but pastor so-and-so on television, when they worship, they blow whistles. Not here. Don't blow whistles here. The people in front of you are holding your fingers in their ears. Don't blow whistles here. And she looked at me like I was the Antichrist. She didn't come back. Oh, well, your faulty theology just robbed you of whatever God was going to do here in your life. Incredible. Because somebody else did it, she did it. That doesn't mean you're supposed to do that. I, we had one lady one time, she wanted to bring her tambourine to church, which is okay. Uh, At that time, the music uh, worship leader we had didn't like that because they're beating the tambourine at a different tempo that was happening on stage, and it creates confusion. Well, she hit it so hard, it broke in a million pieces all over the floor. It was one of those plastic ones, and she banged it as hard as she could. Boom, little, what what do they call those things? Thimbles or, this is the name for them. All over the floor. ay ay, ay. So anyways, we don't wanna build a theology based on what other people do, but yet it's really, really common. That's why we have a Bible school. We need to learn why we believe what we believe. Okay, so we have a foundation on based on poor thinking. The second point is, why, how do people get this way? And that is disjointed thinking. Now, it's very similar to the uh, invalid deductive logic I just talked about, where you believe Ralph is a cat, okay? Uh, disjointed thinking, where they're not making logical conclusions in Scripture. Uh, Many people are constantly taking Scriptures out of context and drawing wrong conclusions. Now, some of these people are just plain mentally ill. I remember we had a guy here one time. He was convinced he was one of the two prophets that will confront the Antichrist in the book of Revelation. And I said, no, you're not. How do you know? You're not. (laughs) And about a week later, this guy was off. I think a week he took his wife's, their baby, his wife's baby and and ran. Why ran off with the baby? They never heard from the guy again. Police are after them. Never found him. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Definitely disjointed thinking to draw bizarre conclusions. No, you're not one of the prophets that confront the Antichrist. Sorry. Uh, So people are constantly doing this. Many of them are taking their own personal experiences in life and they're holding them higher in their hearts than the Word of God. That is very dangerous. Well, God didn't heal me, so God doesn't heal everyone. You just based your conclusion on your personal experience. That is not valid. I was just talking to Pastor Maureen about that briefly tonight. Uh, Pastor Walt did a series... I'm going to guess 1984, it was, ba- it was called the Truth Series about truth thinking. What I'm talking tonight is very similar to what he taught on. I think he did it in six weeks or so, I'm not sure, eight weeks, but very good series. And one of the, I remember one of the errors he mentioned of, of, of wrong thinking or invalid truth is where you base your beliefs in life or with the Lord on your personal experience. I remember we had a couple here. I won't mention the denomination, they were at a particular church that did not believe in speaking in tongues. And they went to the pastor there and said, you know, I think we want to attend a church that believes in speaking in tongues, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the pastor's answer, I have been a pastor for 40 years. The Lord has never enabled me to speak in tongues. Therefore, it's not real. Wow. Now, he was sincere. Well, what did he just do? He based his entire theology on his experiences. Certainly, am I not worthy pastoring a church for 40 years? Why wouldn't the Lord choose me first? Wow. Dude, you couldn't be more wrong. I think the couple looked at him so and said, glad we're leaving here. Oh, my God. I was so sad. He's a good man. Wow. That was so sad to hear. Basing what you believe based on just what you... Oh, I've never given a prophetic word, so therefore... These prophetic words are just emotionalism. Just because you haven't given a prophetic word, that means everyone else is invalid? Come on. Oh, classic. I don't know if you remember the story. Mike Brown was here one time, Dr. Michael Brown, great Bible teacher and prophet. He was here one time. It was right during, I believe, the Brownsville revival of the 90s. And there was a guy who was a pastor of a church and he went to the Brownsville Revival, sat and saw everything happening, didn't approve, went back to his congregation. I've been to that Brownsville Revival. And let me tell you, none of it's of God. And when he put his hand up like that, the entire congregation got slain in the spirit. And he sat there and stared at them. Surprise! Changed his opinion real quick. Because it was valid. Because as people started to get up, they were getting up healed. Uh, God was talking to them about their lives. And he's like, what just happened? It's called Holy Spirit. You haven't figured it all out, have you? Uh And so he had a quick change. Hey, we had someone here one time years ago, talk about personal experience. Because his mother died, he stopped going to church. He stopped really being in the Word of God because God disappointed him. Wow, because your mother died? Well, she was believing for healing and she didn't live. And he walks away from God? Too many people let personal hurts rule their thinking. You can't do that. That is invalid truth. That's invalid thinking. And yet it's immensely, immensely common. I don't want to go too much longer tonight. Perhaps bringing this to not a soon end, but moving towards an end here. Um, Why am I talking about this topic tonight? Well, as a pastor, I see this all the time, things that we just mentioned. See it all the time, the faulty thinking, the faulty theology. And I don't like to see people in pain. I don't like to see people confused and in personal agony, uh, especially when they do it to themselves and they didn't have to. Uh, It's too common. So I want to really close tonight, if you're taking any notes, with just three simple remedies. They're easy for preventing faulty personal theology, okay? We just read it already from Proverbs, to say it again, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7a, for as he thinks in himself, so he is. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And that's what we've been looking at tonight. Uh, How we think within ourselves is gonna be who we are. So we need to take this real serious. First remedy is real simple, be teachable. No one has arrived. We're always still learning. We have not arrived yet. We don't know it all. If pastors are going to be honest, I hope they have enough honesty to say, I don't know it all. I hope. I hope. Because we're all following Holy Spirit together. The only difference... um, Well, I don't want to point to anyone. Let's say you're sitting out there and you're not a pastor. The only difference between me and you is... I have a gift of pastor and teaching in me that God gave me and it's not me it's a supernatural anointing given to me why he would do that i don't know but i'm grateful and that's all i'm a believer like you're a believer we have to walk together searching the scriptures together getting it right whatever works in my life to benefit others isn't me it's holy spirit's anointing operating through me so we we honor the gift given not the person although we honor the person for allowing the gift to operate yes but it's the gift that we recognize the person is just the dumb donkey that jesus walked through the streets on right um so it's very important we know that we don't know it all so we need to the point of this being teachable we need to let others speak biblical truth into our lives that's what i'm doing tonight right now i hope that that's working i'm speaking biblical truth into the lives of others that we need to, who will you let speak biblical truth to you? Hopefully they know more of the scriptures than you do. Who do you let people speak biblical truth to to you? It's very important that you're open to that. It's a very simple remedy. Okay, remedy number two, as I take a drink. Remedy number two, be willing to examine your own personal views and change them as you get more light. Okay? We have to be always, I think I'm believing this correctly, unless someone shows me different. We need to be open to that. So we need to write our personal theology in pencil, because pencils have erasers on them. We don't chisel it in granite. It has to be subject to change. And by the way, some people believe that's so goofy they must write their theology in crayons. That was a joke. Okay. So we need to be very. uh right over your heads. Uh, we need to be very open to erase whenever new light comes to us. So we correct ourselves. Amen. Remedy number three. Uh, I said this already. Know why you believe what you believe. Amen. Most Christians cannot tell you why they believe what they believe. Now, because the Bible tells me so, is just fine. But we need to know why we believe what we believe. Because when you know why, now you can change your writing from pencil to indelible ink. And now you have truths and beliefs that you're willing to die for. We all want to get there. Always remember here, our walk with Holy Spirit is not an intellectual walk. It's a heart approach by faith. God does not talk to our heads. He talks to our hearts. God will not examine us one day in his presence with what we have in our heads. But he will examine what did I have in my heart and what fruit did that produce? That we will be examined for. You know, did we have a prayer fellowship with him? Did we learn to love one another? Amen. These are the, really the issues that matter. Because Paul tells us clearly, if we don't love, we don't have anything. I don't care how much you know, we don't have anything. So that's always a constant challenge to me have i act in a loving way to my neighbor to the body of christ or did i act selfish and like turn the other way it's always a very very big issue so let's close tonight in prayer um if anyone uh those who are praying tonight for people at the altar could you please come up here now please those who are prayer people just come right up if you need prayer tonight If you've been struggling with one of these questions that I might might have mentioned, um, uh, hey, let some folks pray for you. Let's all join our faith together and stand with you because we're all growing in the grace of God together. So if you need prayer tonight, please come on up. We have loving people who just want to love you and pray for you. If there are issues that you've been dealing with that are uh, really um, stumbling you, let's let's pray together but let me pray for you as we close here father god i hope i did not get in your way tonight as holy spirit was trying to communicate to the hearts of these people your truths lord god may we develop a personal theology that honors you lord that honors the name of jesus that is full of faith full of the truth of your word full of love towards our brother and sisters that Lord God, truly we would be accused of people that have been with Jesus, that it would be noticed. That Father God, we would not let any of your will hindered here on this earth through faulty thinking, distorted thinking, incorrect theology, lest we harm one another. But that we would be a refreshment to one another, bringing strength to one another, that what you have given us, we would freely give away and share with others to help strengthen and edify them. So we thank you for this, Father God, that we would leave here tonight being a teachable people, a humble people, a people in desperate need of Holy Spirit. So We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Can you agree and say amen? amen? Amen.